Hey, everybody. Welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, thank you for being here. I hope you learned something. You're probably a founder or an investor or a wannabe in either category, and I'm so happy that you've joined us. Today, we have a great episode. We have Scott of Pantry, which is an all-natural, healthy edibles brand. Uh, they're making a lot of noise down here in LA. Uh, very interesting story, how to compete with flowers, how to compete in dispensaries, whether that's the right channel. He's very focused on digital and D2C and uh, fascinating, fascinating conversation. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Well, I know you picked up on the uh, the quote from Elon oh, yeah. about allocating capital, oh, yeah. which I think for people in startups, like it's kind of twofold. You have to have this real passion for what you do, of course. But then you have to understand that your job is almost like a facilitator, right? And and like you need to be a good steward of that capital. 100%. Um, and that's where you come from. That's your background, which is, which is super, super interesting. Um, we're going to get there. Uh, let's start with what's Pantry? Yeah, Pantry is, uh, you know, we're focused on the intersection of nutrition and cannabis. Right. So it's not just about cannabis. Right. It's not just about taking as much THC and putting in a product and throwing it out there. Right. It's about thinking about the other things that we put in our body that are nutrition. Right. That fuel our body. And so it was really born out of my desire. I got a little asthma. I grew up smoking weed. And when I looked to a healthier alternative, I saw a bunch of candy. Mm -hmm. And I said, why couldn't we make, you know, whole food product ingredients, mix it with microdose amounts of cannabinoids? So people don't have to go back to their childhood and having candy, you know, when they're an adult. I mean, look, nothing wrong with candy. I like candy. But if you're someone that wants or needs to eat a lot of edibles, maybe it's medical for you, eating sugary gummies all day may not be the move. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, candy's not bad. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to have a burger and a beer and, and, you know, I've got a balanced lifestyle. But the truth is, like, the more that we learn... The more that we look at the problems in society from a health standpoint, the more you realize that sugar's no fucking good for us. We should try to minimize that in our diet. You know, gelatin, artificial flavors, and ingredients that are banned in other countries that we allow in candy here, and then we, you know, not in cannabis, but market it to children in other products. Like, do we understand what we're doing to the to the human body right. and then to our endocannabinoid system? If you're taking cannabinoids for the benefit of it, but you're degrading your endocannabinoid system with poor ingredients, you know, are you really getting the best experience you, you desire? Mm -hmm. But as a new brand, as a new product, it still has to taste good. Oh, dude, you cannot put something out that doesn't taste good. Like people will try to say, this is the best thing in the world, but if it doesn't taste good, you're done. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, you're done before you even get off. So our products, I believe they taste good. Like we partnered with a really great chef. He's, plant-based, culinary trained, trained under Thomas Keller, and everything he makes, I'm like, wow. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how did you get that flavor with these little ingredients or these healthy ingredients or keep it vegan or keep it clean? And so I tip my hat to him because when I said I want a healthier alternative, I don't know anything about food. I know about food from a consumption angle and I know about food from an investment angle, but I don't know anything about making food. Sure. And he's really been a standout. That's amazing. And when you sit down to make the first few products, do you have something in your brain? Like what, 
what you want this to be like, or it's more sort of brainstorming at that point? You know, I think we got a little, um, I think we got a little persuaded, right? When you're starting a brand, there's a lot of people at a table and it's like, what do you want? What do you want? Like one of the first initial thoughts was cannabis has helped me sleep. I was like, dude, I want to go after the sleep market. We want to help people sleep. But we decided to back off of that and say we really want to, you know, focus on this intersection of culinary, hospitality, and cannabis, right? And so when we came out, you know, we wanted to do a spread like you would do at any trade show, show the market, you know, four, five, six different offerings and see which ones resonate with them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's where we started, but it was a little bit higher end and it was higher priced and it was lower milligrams. And so when you take that and then you say, okay, end consumers like that, but then you go to the bud tender and say, hey, this is over $20 for less than 100 milligrams, they're just not acceptable. It's very fascinating because I find that there's actually a pretty small percentage of consumers that care about that THC to dollar ratio. And it's increasingly less so, right? Um, there certainly are hardcore stoners that still go there and say like, oh, I need my whatever milligrams. And look, if you're a patient and you need to eat a lot of that every day, so be it. Totally. But like, that's not how most people are. You don't go to the bar and say like, let me get the strongest alcohol pot. Nope, everybody's not drinking Everclear every day, right? So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, what you hit on is very interesting though. Sort of the power of retail and brick and mortar. Um, and it's something I was talking about with Ben Kovacs oh, last yeah. week, and I know you picked up on that, but like, so much money and time and resources have gone into that channel. And of course, it's given them a lot of power and a lot of leverage. And if you're in a dispensary in the right place, you're making a lot of money today. But what does that mean for two, three, four, five years from now when we buy everything on Amazon or deliver it to our house or whatever? Maybe not five years from now. I mean, we're talking about sooner than that. I'm talking about now. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you look to the traditional market, you know, retail is is struggling, struggling. You know, struggling, and it's trending heavily down. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the cannabis, everybody's throwing all this money at retail. And you're, you know, look, when I got in, everybody was like, yeah, you got to go to retail. You got to win the bud tenders. And I was just like, when I looked at it, I was like, look at the, this value is terrible. I use terrible. an analogy all the time. I'm like, go to a wine sommelier and bring them a Pappy Van Winkle bourbon and say, hey, I want you to sell this. She says, I don't like whiskey. I'm a wine person. <laughs> so the, to the cost to get her to be educated, care, and sell your product is ridiculous, right? Yeah. And so coming in as a microdose brand with healthy ingredients and trying to get a 20-year-old to care, it's like pulling teeth, right? So, I mean, look, it is true that if you want to succeed in dispensaries, you do need to value the bud tender. But the question is, how much will that be a part of the market in the future? You know, is it 50%? Is it 70%? We don't know yet, but everybody's like, I got to get a license. I got to get a license. I don't know. I don't want a license. <laughs> doesn't sound like you do either. Um, I don't want to deal with the state. Okay. So let's look at some of these but products. Just to touch on that, okay, I want to value the end consumer. Everybody's valuing the bud tender, but does the bud tender speak for all the end consumers? And I'd rather focus on those end consumers, my tribe, you know, and they love what we're doing. And it's very little education. If the end consumer or if the bud tender was a normal consumer, they wouldn't be a bud tender. 
<laughs> Only stoners are bud tenders, <laughs> Pretty right? much, yeah. And so, like, that's fine. That's yeah. who I am. Yeah. That's how yeah. I yeah. buy products. Yeah. But I try to think like an investor. I try to think, oh, what's the next 90% sure. of consumers look sure. like? So tell me a little bit about this. Why Why are the next 90%? Can I open this? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Oh. Tell me a little I tell bit people what to pull, pull These are over the back here. This is the passion fruit guava jellies. Kind of pull it over the back there. Bam. Oh, nice. Okay. Beautiful um, packaging you have here. Who yeah, does I mean, the packaging for you? Yeah, I mean, one of the things to be oh, speaking nice about packaging is safety, mm -hmm. right? Like, cannabis is the only CPG product that's not dominated by female consumers, mm -hmm. right? But female consumers are going to look at something and they're going to want to know, hey, does this relate to what I want to put in my body, mm -hmm. right? And so the packaging is very important. We've obviously put a lot of attention and love into the packaging. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, this is a real fruit gummy, right? So if you've ever... So it looks like a lot of gummies, right? Tell me what's different about this gummy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if you look to the market and you say acid allocation, 100%, 75 to 85% of gummies on the market are gelatin. Mm -hmm. So they're not vegan, mm -hmm. right? And then the other ones that... Does gelatin come from horse hooves? Is that uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Pig skin and uh, horse hooves. Do you want one, by the way? Oh, yeah. Thank you. They're really good. I can really taste the guava in it too. I taste good. Yeah, tastes you, really you good. gotta yeah. nail the taste. Yeah, for sure. So, look, it's real fruit. You take the fruit, mash it up into a puree, mm -hmm. right, and you make that product. Mm -hmm. No artificial colors, no artificial flavors, and no gelatin. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's a natural vegan product. So, how do you get that gumminess if there's not gelatin? We use a, a seaweed agar-agar seaweed, which helps bind it together. Mm -hmm. um, and it comes from an inspired French uh, product called Patefui. Mm -hmm. And so we turned it, and we actually started with that name Patefui, but as you can imagine, telling a bud tender, hey, this is Patefui, they're like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? You know, so it's like, okay, it's a, it's a passion fruit jelly. Let's just make it easy here. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, so it tastes great. It's healthier for you. Tell me about the cost structure there i mean are your cost of goods a lot higher than someone oh yeah. yeah oh yeah i mean look anywhere you look where somebody's using quality ingredients and not trying to use a, a chemical or a shortcut it's gonna be uh more expensive mm -hmm. you know and, and investors know that with mm -hmm. us like the margin we fight for margin uh both on reducing cogs and and fighting for brand position and pricing um but we focus a lot on our brand, right? We focus on that end consumer so they know the love and value we put into this mm -hmm. because price is only a consideration in absence of value, right? So instead of this race to the bottom and how can I make, you know, gum, you know, gelatin gummies with artificial ingredients as cheap as possible, which are like hitting four or $5 on the wholesale market these days. Mm. It's crazy to compete with that. I don't want to compete with that. What you'll notice from health conscious consumers They'll actually pay a dollar or two more sure. because it matches what they want to put in their body. I totally agree with that. We're in LA. It's a value-based, <laughs> you know, people have to believe in what they're eating. They want to know where it's from. It's oh, yeah. Shade grown, whatever, you know. Um, but do you wonder if that does limit your total addressable market to talk about like an investor? Sure. We're in Manhattan Beach today. Thanks, Flower Hire, for letting us use your office. But... Um, do people want this in Riverside? Do they want this in, you know? Well, let's look at a trend. I love trends, right? So I think that there's an interesting trend in life 
where either by choice or by health, you're going to start focusing on what you put in your body. That trend is inevitable. You're not going to go your whole life and say, wow, I ate McDonald's every day. I smoked, you know, three packs of cigarettes every day and I was completely healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. So to me, sure, I limit my 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 pool, my total addressable market. But I do believe that more people are trading off of unhealthy ingredients for healthy ingredients, right? More people are getting educated. If yes. you think about back in the day, there was a limit of information. Like they tried to blame salt more than sugar and sugar wasn't that bad. And over the last 10, 15 years, we've really started to understand how bad sugar is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm betting on that trend. I'm betting on it that I see it in myself. You know, I, I think I told you, I used to own a bar worked on Wall Street in New York City, I treat my body like garbage, mm. right? And so, you know, it's fun for a period of time, but then you look around and you're like, hey, I can't do this forever, mm. you know? Like, I'm like not well. And so you come out to California and people care a lot more, right? It's also not the Northeast, which is cold, and in the winter people go inside and they're booze and stuff like that. Out here, it's a very health and wellness culture. And so All that- All the time. Yeah. yeah, and that was my evolution. And so when I look at the broader market, sure, in Riverside, I think there's people in the same journey starting to come over to the other side saying, hey, I've seen the problems people around me have had, and I want to put better ingredients in me because I want to do better for my family, mm -hmm. for my society, for my business, right? And so that's the trend I'm betting on. And it's not that much more expensive. <laughs> no, dude, no. I mean, it's more expensive, but it's not No, crazy. it's not yeah. going to break the bank. It's not and, great. and look, I, it, you brought up Elon Musk earlier. You know, Elon is constantly fighting pricing lower, right? So my job is not to overcharge the customer, right? If when we continue to get traction, I'm beating the cogs down lower and lower, but I don't want to sacrifice the quality, mm -hmm. right? So it's just about communicating that to the customer and trying to get your pricing lower and lower so you can expand to a bigger market. But 20 to 30 bucks is not yeah, going to break the bank. Yeah. So I love the thesis. I love where you're coming from. It's so hard to launch a brand, let alone an edibles brand. Um, tell me about the strategy. You know, we've talked about how you don't love brick and mortar as much, but like, tell me about where you're headed and, and how you get this out there. Yeah, where you're headed, you have to look where you came. And like when I got in the market and everybody said, go win retail, I drove up and down this state and I met with a lot of retail and I just, you know, without doing the math, you know, on paper, you can see it in your head. Holy shit, this is expensive, mm -hmm. right? So if you look back to my Wall Street days and I say, well, when you're allocating capital, which sectors have been doing the best? Well, it's technology, mm -hmm. right? So when you're looking to grow a brand and you're saying, well, should I invest in retail, which, you know, investing in Wall Street taught me that retail is like going down mm -hmm. and I see the, all these efficiencies, you know, I started to repivot the brand, right? And really focus on owning your customer growing digitally, and then pairing that with in real life events, mm -hmm. right? So we'll do some events for key retailers, Sweet Flower in, in Los Angeles, Urbana up in, uh, in San Francisco, and we love Green Goddess and Your Hood. But the truth is we wanna focus those in real life events on our core customers. Because at the beginning we did that with bud tenders, but they didn't care for quality ingredients, right? But if you do this for the moms and the athletes and the elderly, they really, really appreciate it, right? But in real life, super expensive, right? High cost. Digitally, if you've ever watched the, the movie Social Dilemma, you start to learn that these algorithms are not only creepy, but they compound and get better, right? So the more data I feed 
to our analytics system, the more that it's going to go find me a lookalike customer for a cheaper uh, customer acquisition cost and a better LTV. And that's ultimately how you're going to grow your brand sustainably because if you're paying too high for a cost, sure. your, your money's going to accelerate down faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all cost of acquisition and Absolutely. lifetime value. That's the whole deal. What channels are we talking about? I mean, digital marketing cannabis is really, really hard. Uh, company I'm very close to, Flower Agency, working on this a lot. What's working for you? Yeah, I think that like when I look to our website, I think of it, it's my retail store. It's my virtual retail store. Okay, well, what do you want at your retail store? What's the, the, the high of the, of the funnel? It's traffic. Mm -hmm. So who really drives that? Search engine optimization, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just finding the channel, then it's finding somebody with high integrity because God knows there's so many marketing agencies out there that want to blow your budget and, and, and leave you kind of high and yes. dry. And yes. I know brands that have done that. So I got a buddy, we, him and I have a long history and he's been running a very successful SEO agency and he's got, you know, people that came from Moz and Moz sold for 70 million. I said, look, I want to dive into this. He said, what do you want? A three month contract? I said, no, I want about uh, a 12 to 16 month contract. Like I want to go all in on SEO because you also see it's one of the only non-restricted channels, mm -hmm. right? So we want to build out content to make sure that if you- But no SEM, right? We'll just make that no, distinction, right? No. You can't pay. This is all just technical marketing work. I'll, yeah. be, I'll be very frank with you. No, yeah. SEM is here. There are workarounds. There's a, I would say there's an SEM war going on. Mm -hmm. uh, if you Google you know, any delivery in Los Angeles, you'll see ads by, you know, Amuse is running against High mm -hmm. Times and then, you know, uh, they're running against Flower Co. And so there are ads being done and Google's a little bit more lenient on mm -hmm. that or a workaround versus, you know, I got my Instagram shut down and they don't tell you anything. Yes. So you can do SEO, so SEM. So it's SEO, it's SEM. You know, we talked about programmatic and I think programmatic has a place mm -hmm. uh, and I'm trying to really learn more about that. Um, but it's also email. It's also sweepstakes. You know, I know Ease is big around here. If you look at their account every, you know, couple of weeks, they're doing a giveaway. Yeah. Why? Because you got to have giveaways. You got to have referral programs. You probably have programmatic. You got to have SEO. You got to have SEM. Oh, you got to do everything. And, and, yeah. let, and let's not forget how many brands are launching non-cannabis items. Like, you know, I tip my hat all the time to Rusty and Old Pal. Like, mm -hmm. he's got a great swag shop. Yeah. He's doing surfboards and he's doing beer. Well, cookies. Cookies, yeah. you know, they're crushing it. Yeah. Like, I think the number is 60%. What is cookies? A hoodie brand? Like 60% yeah. of their revenue is hoodies. Yeah. It's swag. Yeah. Right? So you're like, it's a flower brand. No, it's really a swag brand, mm -hmm. right? It's a lifestyle, people will yeah. say. So... I think opening those other channels and being able to navigate this crazy technological world with restrictions all over, I think that's what you got to do. Because again, look at a trend. Is technology going anywhere? Is Google going anywhere? Facebook, Amazon, they're not going anywhere. You better lean in, you better learn them, and you better try to navigate them. And then when those re restrictions hopefully come down, you better be at the line ready to sprint. And I think some brands are starting to wake up to that a little bit more than others because other brands, and I get calls from brands all the time, still try to fight their way through the retail channel. And I'm just like, hey guys, that's, you know, I would caution you to do that. But then the same thing, you go to a digital agency, they could waste your money as bad as retail. Oh yeah, both, for yeah. sure. Or you could put it in billboards or music oh. festivals or whatever else. I mean, how many billboards, money. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's super interesting. Whoever's selling billboards, like hats off to them because they got a lot of people paying for them. I can't buy a billboard. It's not connected. Everything I do has to be connected. And that's why I like programmatic because I got to be able to go back to investors and say, here's analytics. These are leading indicator numbers to revenue, right? How many emails you got? How much time on site? How many impressions, right? How much engagement, comments, all that stuff, right? So that's more important to me. You do a billboard, you're like, yeah, I think, you know, a million people saw it. Cool. Who bought from it? I yeah, have we no, have no idea. idea. No. Oh, put a promo code up there. <laughs> Nuts. 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 Um, so regardless of how efficient you are, you need capital. Oh, yeah. Right? You have a Wall Street background. Yep. Tell me a little bit how that's going, how raising for this company has been. Yeah, so, you know, I give a lot of credit to Paul Rose, my partner, and I. We started it with our own money, and I think that was a huge help, right? Like, to go out to this investment world, it's it's difficult, right? You talk about value. You talk about asset allocations. Well, just think about the people you talk to, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cowboy investors out there that really don't mean any well. And I know Ben had said it on the last episode, and, and I'll say it too. I've gotten burned. You know, before I started Pantry, I was investing, and you know there's bad operators, there's bad investors. Totally. And there's people that are in, you know, cannabis social circles. Like, anybody got a list of not just bad retailers, but bad investors? I got the list. You got the list? You want it. Okay, yeah. I need I need, <laughs> right? you need to blacklist these guys. They don't want any good. They suck your time up, and then they have no money to invest. There's a founder, which will remain nameless, of a company that everybody knows. And he'll call me every once in a while and be like, do you know anything about these guys? <laughs> you got to like, check. He's, been, he's busy running his business. Yeah. You know, he's not like yeah. reading thesis statements yeah. and yeah. you know paying yeah. attention. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I heard some stuff about you know. It's really interesting. This is a super small industry in a lot of ways, and you got to be careful. It's very um, relationship based. Hundred percent. More so than any other industry 100%. I've been in. I mean, technology is like you don't even have to be a person. Hundred percent. Yeah. Know? I mean, I've said that more than anything, like when people talk to me and, and we haven't talked about this topic as much as I say, the integrity of the people you have around you, right? You are who you surround yourself with. Like that is everything, mm -hmm. right? So like when you see companies that have high turnover, right? That's really, in my mind, an indication that there's something wrong going on in there. And so I have leaned into my network. A lot more, right? Because I did get burned a couple times on Wall Street with bad people there. I own the bar in New York City, bad people there. I've had bad people in my family. And so it's not just like, you know, family's good and work people are bad. There's bad people everywhere. Everybody mm -hmm. asked me, New York or LA, who's worse? And I'm like, there's bad people everywhere. So lean into the people you know and build trustworthy relationships where you want the best for them, they want the best for you. And it may be slower, but guess what? When you get into you know bed or conversation with somebody that's flashy, looks good, and you're like excited and they're promoting, and it's like, oh, this is that warm, fuzzy feeling, take a step back, slow down, check references. And I know some people don't even like to check references. No, they feel like they feel like this is awkward. No, no. Like, dude. You know what's awkward is hiring someone or working with someone that is a crook and you don't know. That's awkward. Dude, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, it's awful. I'm such a like protector of my time. Yeah. Like no way, man. I got to check some racks. Like I want to know you for a time. And that's like how, you know, that's how our first investors came in, right? Friends and family. Merida. I've known Merida for a long time. Mitch is rad. Yeah. Mitch is rad and mm -hmm. hats off to Mina, but the whole crew, right? Like Mina believes in the plant-based evolution. He's the one that sent me your, your uh, podcast with Ben, right? Cool. Because... I feel like I'm talking to a wall where investors are like, 
How many retail doors are you in? I'm like, guys, I'm not really focused on retail yeah. doors. You're talking, if you want me to go retail doors, you're saying, how fast can I burn my money? Yeah. And to me, I'm like, that's just not the way we gotta go. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about shelving fees. Not to mention, before too long, the trend of the vertical integration, right? So if you own a store and you also are supplying the products, how can anyone else ever compete? You can't. I mean, you know? Cookies calls me like, hey, we want you in the store. I'm like thinking, does another brand even stand a chance no, in the cookie store? No, no, no. And they don't need a stizzy store yeah, yeah. or anywhere yeah, else like yeah. that. It just doesn't make sense. You know, it's like if you went into Seize Candy and they tried to sell you Godiva. You know, you'd be like, is this from the back? Is this, is this old or something? Like, what, what's going Not on happening. here? Not you know? happening. Um, but so the, you, go ahead. The evolution to that, which I think is really cool, is a virtual dispensary, right? So it's like, sure, we've got eight, nine products today. I could, you know, we have a pipeline of five, six more. Like, I could have a virtual store, right, of brands that really do support each other. And it's all data tracked, right? Mm -hmm. Because, again, if you ask these dispensaries for their data, they're not going to tell you they sell three times, four times more of their own. They're like, yeah, yeah, bring what it in. What did Ben say? Ben said something like 15 times. 15. Or crazy. It's insane, dude. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do that. And then that's only when it's apparent how many deals are backdoor deals where you okay. don't even know they've got a stake here or a stake there. What's going on? So, so I love this different strategy. I believe it's the winning one. It might take a little longer. But what's the metric? that you get up in the morning, you check first, you know, what keeps you up at night? What, what's sort of like the North Star? You know, the North Star is the top of the funnel, which is traffic, right? And then it's the quality of the traffic, right? So I always want more traffic to anything that has to do with pantry, right? And so that's the metric that I look for. And it's, you know, it's kind of, it, I, I always say it's like dancing with Google's algorithm, right? It's like, hey, Google, send me more traffic. It's like, okay, you got to do this, this, and this. And super <laughs> technical. And then Google makes a change. And you're like, okay, we got to make a change. And so that's the leading metric that I look for. And if I can get people to my site, have them staying longer on my site, engaging more in my site, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ultimately it's a funnel. It comes down and there's more conversions. And then it's repeat uh, purchasers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the other thing. I've really looked hard for a CPG investor sure. because what I've learned from CPG, and there's a fantastic book by Dr. James Richardson, who talks about its velocity and repeat customers not going wide. Because if you look at distribution as a lever to go wide, if you go wide before your initial stores are repeating and, go, and velocity and, and customers coming back, well, then you may be adding five new stores through distribution, but losing three. Mm. Right. And you're never going to become the unicorn because you got to maintain your, your foundational accounts in order to continue to push north. Sure. Um, so I forget the question. That's well That's said. I was going. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, look, we're talking about things that don't get talked about in cannabis very much. Right. This idea that like it's beyond the dispensary and ease or whatever. Right. These channels where you don't own your customers. And that's essentially what we're talking about right here. How, how do you build that relationship with your customer? Because people have relationships with all kinds of corporations that don't even realize, you know? Um, and so having that sink in and that, that viral loop of, I like that gummy, it tastes good, I'm gonna try it again, right? Then you gotta make sure it's available for enough people. Um, so tell me, give me a sense of sort of the scale 
here today. You said you don't care about doors too much, so I won't ask you about that. Um, how many people have tried your products? Let's try. Let's start that one. I mean, probably, I mean, over a half mil. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I, I'd have to go back and do the math, but, you know, products moved really well. We've gotten such amazing responses. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it's just about making it more available for them. Right. And we see that all the time. We see the chats coming through. Hey, are you available here? Are you available here? And, you know, Grassdoor is doing something really innovative, right, mm -hmm. where you can hopefully ship 80 percent of the state through your website. Yep. And it's one stop, you know, and that's maybe our next evolution, although I have a lot of love for iHeartJane and what they've done. There's a big discussion on our plate. If you look at those two channels iHeartJane is fantastic, and if you look at retail, not as retail, but how Amazon would look at it as a depot, mm -hmm. you are the closest person to get this person weed, mm -hmm. then that's fantastic. But if you blow the convenience factor and retail is like, yeah, yo, we're so busy in the store, we'll get to that delivery. Doesn't work. That's yeah. not going to work, you know? Like Grass Store, they're going to text you like, hey, we're on the way, and this is when you should expect it. You know what I mean? We all know those dealer days where it's like, yeah, I'll be there in 30 minutes, and three hours later, you're like, what the fuck, yep. dude? So. Yep. Um, I think it's making sure that it's consistent, making sure it's access. But to, to us, Sweet Flowers, repeat order, repeat customer, velocity is going up. Urbana, the same thing. Santa Barbara, the same thing, right? That's what's important to us and homing in on that. And we've just had to like tell investors like, hey, that's also a good option for you because when you come in, if you really want to blow pantry up through distribution, we haven't pulled that lever yet. Mm -hmm. Where other brands may have pulled that lever Got and it. they've already had that jump up, investors can still get in before we pull a distribution. In other up. words, if you want to waste your money on this, <laughs> we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so one of the things that I love about building edibles business is that you're in less competition with the black market which continues to be this huge problem in other states, but particularly in California. Like, there are illegal edibles out there. Totally. But how much do you think about that when you start creating this product and say, okay, well, this is a real CPG good, not flour, which is a commodity? I mean, I looked to CPG as my competition. I looked to pharmaceutical as my competition. You know, we came out with a, a vegan adaptogenic with CBN Nightbite and... I don't think there's no black market for that, right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. our competitions, the melatonin products and sleep aid products, but they don't have cannabis and CBN. Uh, and they really haven't harnessed what I think is, is another surging trend is adaptogens, right? And so by putting that all together, to me, that's why I call all these CPG companies. Because I'm like, I know you guys care about this. Sleep is a massive issue. Yes. Yes. And they do care about it why all the sleep products are out there. So... To me, I'm less worried about the traditional market. I'm actually really looking for the consumers who haven't tried it. Mm -hmm. You know, all those moms that are looking for help, all those athletes who have heard about athletes using cannabis. I mean, there was that sprinter uh, in the Olympics. She just got caught with smoking cannabis right. or yep. she added in her system. Now she's going to be disqualified. Yep. I mean, it's, it's amazing, right? Those people are leaders. Ricky Williams is the leader, and there's more athletes coming over. Sure. And they're looking for the word I think you were looking for in the last episode is steward. You want to be a steward of, of capital, and you want to be a steward of somebody's interest to help themselves. Mm -hmm. And so those consumers are the most interesting to me. However, there's still a place for me who bought traditional market flour, who then bought legal flour, and looks to you know supplement daily wellness through edibles 
while keeping a joint a little bit more ceremonial. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's more occasional. It's more of a special, a special thing. Right? Yeah, I love it. You know, I mean, through COVID, nobody was sharing joints. You know, know. part of a joint is like getting together on a Saturday. It's social, and it's yeah. social mm-hmm. you know, but absolutely. But but the other thing is, and you know, not my favorite company, but MedMen did a good job at the anti-stoner, mm-hmm. right? With their campaign with the nurse and the mom, right? Yep. And there's a lot of people that could take a five and five, right? Just like we did and not be stoned at all, but feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more at ease. And I think those are the people that we want to have come over because again, the data says people are anxious as all hell. We're coming out of a pandemic. They want stuff for their immune system. They want something to calm down and they're really not looking for 30% THC to like, you know, kind of space out. Not at all. No. Um, how about the other cannabinoids? How much have you just, you know, thought about them in your products? Or there's a little bit of CBD in that, but not much. Yeah. So the jellies are all THC. Mm-hmm. The superfood bites are, are one-to-one, right? That's what I find interesting. And I, I got that from my, you know, my, my mom. Love mom, right? So she says, Scott, whatever this is, whatever this is, this works better, right? And she kept saying that. And then I saw Kim Rivers out of, uh, out of Florida say, you know, our customers really speaking up. They want a one-to-one, mm-hmm. right? So... We wanted to make sure that we appeased, you know, a more fun crowd with just THC only. Our superfood bites are all one in one. You're getting five milligrams of THC, five of CBD, and in our night bite, it's five THC and five CBN. But we're looking to these other cannabinoids, but the interesting trend that came before, like, you know, these other minor cannabinoids was terpenes, Mm -hmm. right? And everybody's like, terpenes, 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 put it in there, right? And, uh, you know, we have a doctor on staff, Dr. Deb Kimless, and she says, there's no real research that if you eat an orange, you're going to be happier. There's a lot of terpenes in there, but doesn't mean they're not selling it as a happy orange, <laughs> you know? So, you know, we, one of the things I'm, I give myself credit for is avoiding the shiny light. You know, you see a lot of people like I'm in this business, now I'm in that business, now I'm in this business. And you were talking about with Ben, I'm at this price, I'm at this price, yep. I'm at that price, right? Yep. So we wanted to slow down on terpenes. We were also slow on CBN because the data macro isn't there but if you talk to consumers they are speaking up saying hey this is working for me and i'll tell you what i'm not here to tell any consumer they're wrong you know there's a placebo but if enough of them speak up and they say it works then i'd like to meet them in the middle and provide a product to help them um but we're looking more to you know adaptogens you know it's been around forever and then you're looking to indian i always butcher the word but ayurveda you know what i mean there's a lot of plant-based medicines that have been around for thousands of years with a lot more research that we can tie into cannabinoids. And we'll wait for these other cannabinoids to kind of, you know, get more research and get more exposure to see what they do, because we just really don't want to jump on a PR press hit that this does all this. And it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here. I like to talk about the founder behind the company a little bit. Um, when you're not eating your own products, what are you into? Are you like joints? You like blunts? What What are you into? Yeah, I mean, it was hard to avoid the. So first off, I'm a, I'm like the biggest kid in a candy store, right? I love cannabis. You know, the explosion of products is amazing. You won't find me not trying something, right? So I did go through a dab phase, and that was like way too much, you know, for me. Um, 
I did go through a joint phase, right? The convenience is hard to argue, you know, a little hats off to Pure Beauty, what they did there in the beautiful, beautiful yeah. little box, you know. Now everybody's doing that. Now everybody's doing that. I mean, minis were the way to go, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the, the bigger joint was a little hard, you know, I think Dog Walkers was like one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, you know, look, I have this analogy where I'm like, hey, if I took really good kale or lettuce and put it in a Louis Vuitton box and said, here, you know, would you buy it without checking like how old that, that lettuce is inside? You know, when was it grown? When was it harvested? Yep. You know, who's that? You know, how did they treat it? Right. So I am way off joints now because I don't really appreciate not knowing fully what's in them. And then I also don't like that. Look, it's, it's, it's a harder product to scale. If people really like your flower, which pure beauty, they like them and candescent early on. Well, what happens when you have all this growth, you go buy flower on the open market and then you put it in there and it's under the same brand. And I think that is, you know, I always thought cannabis got that I wrong. Hate that. I hate that. I think it's more like wine. Yeah. Tell me the year, tell me the grower, tell me the season. And just say that it's always different because trying to make it consistent, and I know I'm not having a consistent experience, is, is I think, just a disconnect. But the us. problem is Cookies has created this model, right, where they buy everybody else's flour and they're a brand. But I would say that's not a good model for anyone else. They're deteriorating trust. I mean, yeah. look, look at the social circles, right? You're seeing seeds in some. You're seeing this in others, right? And so mm -hmm. I think that is putting... Uh, mass dominance before quality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just not how I'm going to go because once you break a consumer's trust, try to get that back. Once mm -hmm. a consumer oh, bought Gary Payton and there was a seed in there, there's something in there, not coming back, especially if they paid up for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's better to stay, stay small. If you sell out, you sell out. Come back. Do a drop. I mean, look at Supreme or, or some of these other companies. Easy. They do drops, right? Yep. So like, Consumers will stay loyal to you, but the second you dress down, it's hard to come back. Mm -hmm. um, but where I've gone most recently in my journey is, you know, in that indoor flower, but most recently harvest, mm -hmm. right? I really like something that's freshly harvested, which can, which can be hard to find. And I, I think you guys were talking about Colorado. I was out there recently. And, you know, you could just see, like, it was, like, harvested in, in October in Colorado versus here you get something in, like, March or April. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want something that's fresh. I don't, you know, I know it's cured and everything like that, but six month old weed is not like mm -mm. my highest standard of, you know, what I, what I want to, if I'm going to have lung distress, you know, I talked to one CBG investor. He's like, no, nah, I eat shit. He's just like, if I'm going to eat shit, it better be worth it. <laughs> if I'm going to smoke a J or if I'm going to take a bomb rip, like I want it to be high quality flour. Yeah. However, I want to see us in the flour category move into you know, the entourage effect and the more cannabinoids. I mean, you look at the profile and it's just THC and there's no CBD. There's no other things, right? And so I want to see us evolve in that category. And it just has me, to be very frank, uh, reducing the little I smoke more and more because even my customers are starting to infiltrate my head and saying, God, you know, this high is just way better because it's also more regulated in a stair step if you take 5 or 10 or 15 versus that flower it could be the same flower, it could be the same 30% or whatever, but the next time you rip it, you kind of fucking get this like really, you know, racy high and it may be less enjoyable. Uh, and sometimes we may just be doing it because that was our habitual pattern, what we thought we liked. Mm -hmm. But you had the question, do we like it? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we step back? Like, do we want this? And I think when I step back and I say, God, I run or bike every morning, 
do I want to smoke that joint? And I think in my head, it's just less and less and keep it for special occasions. I don't want to alienate it or say it's bad, sure. but I think I, I've supplemented my cannabinoids in a whole different way, which has just changed my lifestyle. That's amazing. That's a great, authentic story. Thank um, you, Jocelyn of Headset put us together. Thank you so much. I'm going to start this thing called like Pay It Forward. Who else should I interview? Recommend someone else I should interview for this show. Man, I mean, I thought the last one with Ben was uh, one of the better ones yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I really like Ben a lot. I'm happy I mean, that. I just, you know, I like substance. I like realness. And I like what he's smoking mirrors or something. Like, there's not enough people shooting the shit. And I even talk to other entrepreneurs. I'm like, dude, why aren't we getting into the weeds here? You know what I'm saying? And when I left Wall Street, I said collaboration over cutthroat competition. Yeah. Um, but look, I can give a shout to Paul Rosen. He's awesome. I don't know if you've had him on, but he's... You know, look, he's had his own journey as a started as a lawyer, got into uh, cannabis in 2012. Right. He, like I, like many, abused many substances. Uh, and as we got older, we're like, hey, is that how we want to live our life? Like, am I happy in this nightlife, heavy boozing? You know what I mean? And so when I met him, I think in 2016, you know, we were talking about meditation and we're talking about our body being a temple and caring about our energy and really wanting to feel good. You know what I mean? I went out recently with an investor and did we tied one on like he was drinking at a pace that was like, you know, I was two sips in and he was done. Mm. And so by the end of the night, you know, it was a fun night, a lot of energy, but the next couple of days I was like, Holy cow. Yeah. Like it gave me that stark reminder. Like that's kind of why I'm going in this direction. And I think Paul has just been a leader in that and saying, look, I want healthier things in my body, right? It makes me feel better. I'm a better person. And our thesis is that more people want it, but I find them to be very down to earth. I find them to be, you know, honest, high integrity, uh, high emotional EQ. And you'd be surprised. We're in flower hire, right? They're placing people. I think the biggest, the hardest thing to find is quality people, right? Like everybody can talk, everybody can throw a football, but not everybody talks like Tom Brady. Right. Not everybody communicates what's going on. Right. And so you need people that are can be vulnerable and connect with you and also understand that, you know, relationships are sacrifices. You and I are in business together. We're not going to agree on everything. I mean, how many lawyers are going to make a fucking fortune in this industry because everybody's suing each other? <laughs> how many founders are going to keep, you know, pulling out the guns on each other? And I'm just blessed. Paul has this this uh, saying that, you know, you don't want to be in a business, go out to sale and you find out, you know, 100 yards out to the ocean, hawk this, I went off. You know what I mean? So you really got to pick who, who you want on that boat wisely. Mm -hmm. And I've done that. And Paul's been amazing. And Jocelyn, you know, she's another one digging into data, right? Being vulnerable. She even put a post on LinkedIn just about how she used to be more introverted or less confident in herself and her whole journey. I think that's what it's about, man. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody's not being vulnerable with you and they're just giving you their their show side. You, you never get anywhere. You really can tell when someone's being authentic. And sometimes like you can't put your finger directly on it. It's just like this feeling that you have, like this person's hiding something or they're not being themselves or whatever. And I'm, I've never been good at that. Like I could never work for a corporation. <laughs> or anything. I can't fake it. You know, yeah, this yeah. is who I am, yeah, period. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I think that's as good a place to start to wrap up as any, man. Um, thank you so much for being here. It's been really fun. Great conversation. Plug some stuff. What's the website? 
where can you get it, all that good stuff. Yeah, pantryfoodco.com. We really pride people on going to the website. Uh, we're really focused on the user experience. You can get it all throughout California. We're selling in Colorado. We're just about to get our orders in Canada, which wow. is really exciting. You know, dealing with the provinces, it's like night and day to dealing with, you know, bud tenders down here. Mm -hmm. um, our Instagram got shut down. So if anybody's got a plug, you know, we're, we're looking to get our Instagram back from, from, you know, Facebook, Instagram jail. Nah, you don't need them. I don't, Keep going. I mean, like they're not going anywhere though. I like I don't, I, I don't know. want, to, I don't want to need them. Yeah. But, but like, you do. how yeah. can, I mean, what did Ben say? 60% of VC dollars? I think I said that, but yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's these channels have so much power and it's not changing. No, it's not going no. Yeah. So you better figure out how to dance with them than uh, ignore them. And that's it, man. If you care about healthy living, look us up. You know, shout out to you, Jocelyn. And yeah, have Paul on. Good stuff, man. It's been fun to dance with you. Thank, Thank you, you for doing it. Thanks to Flower Hire for having us here. And we'll see you next time, guys.